Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. We are excited to be recording this episode. This is the first week of January that we're recording it, even though it will be a few weeks before you hear it. But we thought it would be fun to do an episode talking about kind of trends we're seeing with our clients and in our industries and make some projections for what is on the rise and what is on the decline for 2023. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast, Amanda. How are you? Yes, well... I'm great. Welcome back. I am happy to talk about this with you because I think predictions are so fun because we're, I think we've already decided that we're going to recap at the end of the year and see how right or horribly wrong we are about what Mm -hmm. we think is realistic for going to happen this year. So we'll see. I'm excited to talk to you about this and share kind of, I had all of my end of the year calls with my clients in the last couple of weeks and to hear what people's priorities are and to see where people are putting their efforts when it comes to their marketing and selling new products. I think it's, it's a good time to talk about it. So tell me first about these end of the year calls. Is this something that you just had a natural organic need that clients wanted this? Or is this something you initiated that you wanted to do with your clients? A little bit of both. I had some people that naturally reached out to me and were like, hey, I want to talk about my end of the year goals. As you know, as one of my clients, you you initiated it when it came to that. Let's talk about what our plans are for the year. And then there were a couple of clients that I, I always like to keep a thumb on the pulse of all of my client accounts and see, you know, if I feel like I don't know their direction on what their goals are for the year or even like a quarter or a month, I always want to check in and say, you know, hey, what are you working on? You know, let's let's get a good game plan so that we're successful and we're shooting with a target and not just like kind of going by the seat of our pants here. So clients typically initiate it. However, if they don't, I do. Like I said, I love to start with a clean slate. I said that in the resolutions episode. I talked about how much I love a clean slate. So it felt natural this time of year to have those calls. Do you have calls with your clients? I know you do strategy sessions pretty regularly with your clients, right? Yeah, it's interesting. So I do strategy. What's in the package uh, that stands now, at least, I meet with my clients on average monthly, that's what's offered, is monthly strategy sessions. A lot of clients who are busier have businesses that are a little further along. They've been podcasting for a while now. They tend to do less than monthly. It feels like when I'm working with somebody who's new, they want to meet all the time. And Mm -hmm. once they get into a rhythm and they've got a lot of other priorities that they're juggling and whatnot, and they're feeling more confident they tend to meet with me more like every other month or even quarterly. But the end of the year slash beginning of the year, I agree, is a big one where 
I really do make an effort if my clients don't, because I, it's so important to me that the work that I'm working on with them and what I'm putting into their podcast is actually supporting the other goals in their business. I know that entrepreneurs are typically very goal-driven. They look at their annual numbers and they're reflecting on the past and they're projecting for the, the next, what are their priorities for the next year. It's important that the work that I'm doing on the podcast for them aligns with their other priorities in their business or the podcast isn't working for them, right? And we want the podcast to be working for them. So if they don't initiate it, I do put effort into initiating at that turn of the year just because I want to know what what are you working on? What else do you have going on? And how do we make sure the podcast is supporting that? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, to kick this off, I thought I'd add a little structure. Sarah, I have not talked to you about this yet, but I was thinking, how do you feel about three things that we predict will happen or shift in business this year that we're seeing personally in our businesses, but also with our clients? How do you feel about three things? Three things sounds good. Yeah. Do you want to start with your first one? (laughs) Yeah. You're like, since you're putting this all together here, you go first. I have been preaching this for the last six months, but my very first prediction, and if you're one of my clients and you're listening to this, you know that I'm preaching this. 2023 is the year of LinkedIn. I know half of the people listening to this literally cringed and they thought, oh no, my my great-grandmother's social media platform is back. Listen, Everybody is exhausted with trying to figure out the Instagram algorithm. People are sick of having, I'll speak for myself, I am sick of having to read people's horrible political views on Facebook. People are going to LinkedIn for a more professional, it's like people are on their best behavior on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. It's a more professional atmosphere. People are getting to where they are sharing more of their personal lives on there. And they're also sharing what they're proud of with their work. I have had more clients shift most of their social media efforts to LinkedIn and they have seen a return. They've gotten more discovery calls booked, more strategy sessions booked. They've had more inquiries on their website, more traffic to their website. And they're also having more organic conversations than having to cold call or cold reach out to somebody. It is going to be the year of LinkedIn. So in saying that, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to do anything on LinkedIn. I don't want to have to put tons of effort into another platform. You can still repurpose all the great stuff that you're putting on all of your other platforms onto LinkedIn. And I totally encourage you to do this. The same formatting that works for Instagram will still work for LinkedIn. You just need to make sure that your profile looks really great. You've got a customized header, that your bio looks good. If you do all those things and you start to put some engagement and time daily into LinkedIn, I bet 2023 will be the year that you see some traction coming from your great grandmama's social media platform. I love that. I was literally going to ask you, and what's your number one tip for somebody who's listening who is not on LinkedIn and is now like, oh man, now I need to be there. Is there anything you would want to add other than what you already said? Yeah. 
Um, posting regularly, which is a no brainer, but making sure that you are posting things like articles doesn't have to be too super long, but something besides just a standard, Hey, this is what I'm working on post, but maybe a post about what you're seeing in your industry, something that you're excited about that's happening in your industry, something that you would want to read yourself and pin it to your profile. So don't just post something and then put it out into the ether. There is an option in LinkedIn where you can pin it to your profile. So it's one of the very first things that pops up and do that regularly, regularly change out what you're pinning to your top of your profile so that people can see fresh content. It works well with the algorithm and make sure that you are naturally having engagement with people that you want to work with. Also, there are groups in LinkedIn. If you didn't know that very similar to Facebook pages, but there are people that are geared towards your industry. I highly recommend engaging. Go on other people's profiles and do that that annoying thing where when someone says, "Oh, look, it's my work anniversary." Tell them, "Great job. Like awesome. <laughs> like good for you. Hey, here's a $5 Starbucks card to get you a coffee today. Congratulations." And have that engagement with people that you can't get on Instagram anymore. Get your post out there to people that are in your similar industry and get the get the heck off of Facebook for God's sakes. Facebook is the year that it will die in 2023. That's my that's my tidbit. Is that your number two? Are you already doing number two? No, or are you no, just no, tacking no, 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 that no. on? <laughs> I'm just tacking that one on because I have okay. a I have a hate relationship with Facebook. As anybody that works with me knows, I'm like, don't do it. And we could have a whole probably a whole episode on why I hate Facebook so much. I think there's two episodes coming in our future, a LinkedIn episode and an anti-Facebook. I mean, or just a Facebook discussion, because I'm not anti-Facebook, so it's fine. Yeah. I know there are people out there that have big feelings about it uh, in a positive way. I have just seen like the steady decline. I think as anybody that works with social media companies or is a social media manager themselves, there's a major love-hate relationship with it. And we could have a whole, and we will have a whole episode on our thoughts on social media and social media management. But for now, I'm going to stand with that as my strong number one. You're up, Sarah. (laughs) I love it. Okay. My number one is going to be that the podcast advertising numbers are going to significantly increase. I'm going to say double, if not triple, from previous year. So podcast advertising, as podcasting has become a bigger and bigger platform and more and more people are starting podcasts, podcasts are having more listeners, more and more podcasts are hitting million download numbers, et cetera. Advertisers are seeing a really, really, really good return on their investment. And it's such an untapped marketing opportunity that a lot of people haven't bought into advertising on podcasting yet. So we've got this sort of indie stream of advertisers that are not the smaller smaller guys like the individual people and they're not the big corporations yet because neither of those two parties have necessarily bought in. So we tend to hear if you listen to a lot of podcasts we tend to hear ads for a lot of the same things over and over no matter what the podcast is because those are the people who are putting in money into advertising on podcasts in the past. But I think that As the industry has grown and been stable for a longer period of time and we're able to really see the trends of the return on investment of the click-through rate, of the conversion rate, et cetera, we're actually going to see a huge increase. So many people who are just independent creators like you and me and probably people who are listening, 
we would spend money in advertising on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. We do spend money on advertising our stuff there, but we probably aren't advertising on other people's podcasts yet. And that's really interesting to me because obviously there is ad spend happening among like individual creators but we could do more podcast advertising. 60% of people who listen to podcasts have bought something that they heard about through a podcast ad. And that conversion rate is just pretty wild. So if you think about potentially converting 60% of the people listening to a podcast, that's really good advertising dollars. If you compare that to like your click-through rate or your conversion rate on your Facebook ads, I mean, it's a it's a no-brainer. And then additionally, I think we're going to see a lot more buy-in from corporations because they're they have huge marketing budgets and they're investing in so many old school advertising methods. But the return on investment is so much higher. It's kind of like when all of the corporations finally got on Twitter and started going nuts on Twitter. I think we're going to see more corporations that really, and now corporations also are buying into TikTok. So I think we're going to see more of those like large, massive platforms. I mean, I've already heard like Macy's ads have really been on the rise on podcasts. And I think we're going to see more companies at that level that are investing in podcast advertising. So that's a big one for me. That's a really, really exciting one and a good one too. I think, I think we're all. I think it's really exciting that we're in a time where we're really looking at different ways to market businesses and corporations are also trying to find unique ways to market businesses and that they're following the trends as they should, obviously. But I think it's interesting how much things have changed in the past five years with like the development of advertising on the internet, but also new things like the rise of podcasting and how popular it's become over the past, I don't know, decade, but also just like where people are really willing to invest their dollars, I think speaks more towards where the eyes are and where the, in this case, the ears are Mm -hmm. when it comes to, comes to advertising. I love that one. Um, I will say for me, number two, my next prediction will be from what I'm hearing, there is a lot of digital fatigue. More people this time of year and they're saying throughout 2023 are going to spend more time prioritizing getting off of their phones, not looking at their phones as much as screens as much. So what I would say my next prediction is that we're going to see a massive shift at how content creators and people that have online offerings are trying to get physical products into hands. And this is what I mean by that. When it comes to advertising, I think you'll see more people doing things like creating physical workbooks instead of digital eBooks. I think you'll see more people investing money into promo boxes than to sending emails. And I think you'll see more people trying to create flyers and physical pieces of mail than they are doing e-blast. Now, I do e-blast all day long for clients. Of course, there's still value there, but I definitely think you're going to see more of a shift looking towards traditional snail mail and sending physical things to people instead of just sending another ebook or another e-resource. I think people still love those, but I think everybody's doing them. And so to stand out, I think you're going to see more people shifting towards 
physical products. At least I hope so. I love I love physical products. I love when I bur- I purchase a marketing webinar and I also get a workbook in the mail. I think there's a lot of street cred there. And I think it's great to be able to hold something physically in your hand, to be able to write on something with a pencil, specifically because I work looking at a screen all day long. I appreciate it when it's something paper, tangible, something tangible. So I have seen a lot of my clients working more towards things like press boxes and, you know, announcement boxes that have like their logo on a notebook or, you know, an e-resource that they would typically email. They're now printing and getting them copied into um, bound books and sending them to people. And they're getting a lot more return because it is something tangible. People will see more value in that. You're looking at me like you don't agree. Do you agree? Oh, no. I just think it's really interesting. I think that my life, like so many of us, has shifted so much since 2020. And really, mine shifted since 2019 because that's when I shifted into working from home as an entrepreneur. But then right after that, I mean, I think five months later, pandemic. And so Mm. everybody has been Zooming. Everybody's been working from home. And now the world is opening back up regardless of, you know, how you feel about that or in your specific area, the threat level or safety or whatever, (laughs) regardless of that, the world is opening back up. People are traveling a lot more. Offices and companies are bringing people back into the office full time. I think even the hybrid thing, like we've been in this hybrid model for a little while where people are working from home and in the office. And I think it's pushing more and more toward full time in the office people are really craving that in-person connection and that in-person community. And I think the physical product prediction that you were just talking about feeds right into all of the same things of feeling like it was so beautiful how much we could use technology to keep the world going. But there's such a longing for some of the creature comforts of (laughs) that connection with the physical world that then I think people, it was too hard of a swing yeah. with the pandemic. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think this is what you were seeing maybe on my face is that I feel like it's a balance. I definitely, there's things I miss with being in person and and even physical experiences. I certainly miss a lot of, I missed a lot of opportunities for travel. I missed a lot of opportunities for conferences and in-person events. I missed a lot of socializing, things like that. But also my whole business is about doing something that's not a physical, tangible product. And I love what I do and I love the way I interact with clients. I have been having more in-person meetings with clients, which is interesting. And that is a big indication of how things are changing. I just feel like I much prefer Zoom meetings, generally speaking. I mean, I'm excited to meet a client in person if I have not met, if I've only met them on Zoom, obviously I'm excited to meet them in person. Don't get me wrong. But with the amount of meetings I do, if I was running all over the city doing all of those meetings in person, I like cannot imagine. Talk about fatigue. Like Zoom is so much easier. And I love wearing leggings and sweatpants every day. And I love like I've eliminated all of my real bras. I am only strictly a sports bra girl at this point. Like I want to keep living this way. So there's, there's a part of me that like, do I, have I missed like shows and theater and 
you know, walking through stores and touching all the things and trying on a million. Yes, there's part of me that misses that. There's also part of me that like loves that I can order absolutely anything, including groceries, and they come to my doorstep. Like, I love it. Yeah. So I'm torn. Okay, I'll take it. I don't say you have to like it. I did not say that you had to like any of my three things. I've really been like hitting everybody in the like, I'm telling you to get on LinkedIn and I'm telling you if you're a digital person to send something physical. Do you hate me already? This is Sarah talking. This is not Amanda, by the way. I'm just kidding. It's Amanda. You can hate me if you want. <laughs> All right, you're up next. What's your second one? Um, okay, so my second one is that there's been a recent uptick of private podcasting. I think that's going to continue in 2023 and grow in 2023. And I think that first, let me explain what private podcasting is, if that's not clear. So there's kind of two forms of private podcasting. There's like premium podcasting where people pay a subscription fee to get access to a podcast feed that is not just publicly internet for free. And then there's also private podcasting. And this is what we've really been seeing an uptick in recently where people essentially link it to their email list. So it's essentially a giveaway or a freebie or a lead magnet that people have this private podcast feed. It is free, but you have to give your email address and subscribe to an email list. Now, I think this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that I don't really understand the cost and the time and the bandwidth of putting that together to make it harder for people to have access to compared to a regular podcast. So there's part of me that's like been resistant to these free lead magnet private podcasts. And also, I really understand wanting to capture the people who are that sounds really like violent I'm sure the people, but, but know who's there. That That's the right terminology, but it sounds so intense. I want to capture <laughs> you. You, you want to capture the information of the people who are listening because, and we can attest to this. We just launched our first three episodes this week at the time that we're recording this. And we've been watching the download numbers come in and it's really exciting. But when we get the so messages, exciting. <laughs> thank you for listening. But when we get the messages from people who are actual individual people instead of just a number on a dashboard and they're telling us this is what resonated with me, this is what I loved about it, that is so much more meaningful of a connection than just seeing like numbers on a dashboard. And to a certain extent, in business, as we're seeing all these people engaging with our content in our stats and our metrics for podcasting, not knowing who they are and not being able to like keep those people in our circle and continue to engage with them is definitely uh, an obstacle with podcasting. I hear from people, from clients all the time, um, how do I know who's listening? How do I know the demographics? And there are platforms that somewhat track demographics. Spotify does a, an okay job. Apple does not do a great job. But so we don't have great, great statistics, great comprehensive statistics on who's listening. And if we can capture the information, that's so much better, of the people who are listening, then that's helpful. But just like with any lead magnet, Asking people to hand over their email address <laughs> is an extra obstacle to get their hands on your content. So I think that there's still room for both. I do see the appeal of the private podcast feeds, and 
I'm intrigued by them. And I also think I a little bit have to get out of my own way and just accept that they're going to be a thing that is on the rise in 2023. So I guess I'll give into it, even though I don't love it. I understand more or less. I understand the point, but I think those free public feeds are still really important as well. So that's my thought. Totally agree. Well, my last and final one is something that when I say it, I feel like people are going to say, well, yeah, no, duh. But let me explain. Okay. I feel like I'm the villain this podcast. It's like I'm giving all the bad things that nobody wants to hear. But guess what? <laughs> my predictions, I stand by them. Um, I think as we've seen the past year, there's really a shift happening on specifically Instagram where the stylized feed is kind of dissipating a bit. The need to have like an overall aesthetic as an individual is really starting to go away and people are really starting to have, I think, fatigue when it comes to the amount of people that are influencers who all their content is sponsored. Everything has an agenda. Everything they're posting is strategically worded in a way that it can get you to buy something or click a link. Um, I think we're really we're we're already seeing a decline in the amount of people and the effectiveness of influencers. I have a couple of clients who have partnered with influencers in the past. They never seem to have, no matter how large the audience, very rarely are they worth their weight in advertising dollars. The amount of headache and hassle and contract signing and agreeing and coming to, you know, let me go ahead and send you this money. I'll send you the product and you can give me a review and all that. From behind the scenes, working with the companies that want to work with these influencers, there's so much that goes into it for such little return on investment, right? So we've really seen a shift coming from that whole, oh my God, my feed has to be all white and airy and all match. And, you know, in every photo, we all have to be wearing something that's white or, you know what I'm trying to say, very stylized look. We're seeing less and less of that more. We're seeing more authentic people, people coming up in the rise of people that are creating communities around just being themselves, whether it's a body positive influencer or it's someone who does, you know, realistic mom advice, which I, I actually don't have children of my own. I have stepchildren, but I do follow some really hilarious, um, relatable mom entrepreneurs that I love. We're really seeing a rise in the relatability and less of the perfection. And I'm so happy to see that on Instagram. There's not this like People are quicker, I think, to relate and to call out when they see things that are not authentic. And we used to be a culture, I think, just a few years ago where it was like you had to have you had to have it perfect for the gram. And now it's like there's this rise of people that are like, this is what my face looks like when I wake up in the morning. You know, I don't put you know, Facetune app on my phone, on my face anymore. Or you know, there's just a, a big rise of people saying this is my authentic self and piggybacking off of that and that movement that's happening. I'm noticing with my clients, they're really dialing in on not being for everyone, but being for their specific audience, which is marketing 101 when it comes to marketing your business, knowing your audience and targeting them directly, but it's harder than you think because you want to be for everybody. You think as an entrepreneur, I want to be able to market to everybody. I want everybody to be my customer. Well, guess what? Not everybody's going to be your target demographic. You know, I work with dietitians who strictly work with older women. 
guess what? Your marketing needs to reflect that. And don't feel bad if you're not for men or if you're not for a younger demographic. You are for who you are for. And that authenticity shows up. If you are generic and you're just shooting across the board with your messaging, with your photography, with your copy on your website, it will show up. It will not be effective. And I think we're really seeing that on Instagram specifically of I'm going to show up and be who I am and the audience that is for me will find me. And it's really not so much about, do I have 50,000 followers? It's more like, do I have 1500 people who are my people who are going to buy my products? Who's going to support my business who want to see ugly pictures of me in the morning when I wake up and I have drool across my face and want to see my cute dog just as much as they want to see my new coaching program. So I think, and I hope that this, this trend continues where we're moving away from the Kardashian perfect feed, face tuned, whatever, no shade thrown there. But I hope we're continuing to move in a more authentic way this year because we all deserve a little bit more authenticity in our lives. First of all, I agree. I hope I love that trend. I see that too. And I hope that there's more of that coming. Second of all, authenticity is a brand. And one mm-hmm. thing that I would kind of push a little bit on because if we do listen to this and we go back and compare, I do want this on the record. Uh, <laughs> I I do think that what we'll see is an increase in influencers who authenticity is their brand. Yeah. And I'm thinking about people like Elise Myers, who started on TikTok, make just telling stories about her life and sharing her vulnerabilities. And she's very, very vulnerable with her anxiety and her insecurities and this and that. And it is, and she also shares how much pressure it is because everybody's watching. It is also a brand. She has been able to leave her job. She's supporting her family using this influencer brand. She just started a podcast. She is on, of course, every platform at this point as well. That's still an influencer though. That's still a brand. It just looks different. And I think the dangerous thing here is And I'm not saying this about Elise Myers. I think she's very genuine. But the danger here is people claiming, quote unquote, authenticity because they're being vulnerable, not because that authenticity and vulnerability are not the same thing. And so not that you were saying this. I'm not like saying, Amanda, you're wrong. I'm not saying that. I just want to add and like expand on that, that I think something that I stress to The people that I work with with podcasts that I consult on their podcasts is um, knowing who they're speaking to and to your point, like really knowing who's in their audience. Podcasting gives you the opportunity to connect with someone mimicking the intimacy of a phone call and to have that level of intimacy in someone's life is very influential. But the only way you achieve that level of intimacy is to talk to that person like you're on a phone call. And if that's the case, then you have to be really clear on who that person is. If you try to talk to everybody, then it's not going to feel like a phone call, is it? It's going to feel like a stage on a stadium, in a stadium, right? Or something like that. It's going to feel like an announcement. It's going to feel like a Facebook post projected to the world and not an individual personal phone call. If you talk to somebody on the phone for 25 to 45 minutes a week, think about how personal that conversation would be. But In that, I always stress to people that I consult with that authenticity and vulnerability are not the same. Sharing things that are vulnerable is a choice. You can be authentic without sharing things that somebody doesn't hasn't earned the right to in intimacy in your life. 
And also you can be vulnerable without being authentic. My friend who I've quoted several times on this podcast, she likes to call it uh, an emotional one night stand. When you share your vulnerability with somebody who has not earned it, it's kind of just vomiting all of this deep personal emotion to somebody who hasn't earned it. And then afterwards, you feel like you just gave part of yourself away to somebody who didn't earn it, right? And that is not authenticity, even though it's being vulnerable. So anyways, I just want to say that. But um, my third one is similar. My third one is that I think there has been an increase, well, I know there has been an increase in calling out toxicity and in challenging and questioning the way things have always been or the way things are with people who are in higher positions of influence and power and challenging that. And we're seeing a huge shift in like demanding better working conditions and sort of this workplace revolution, right? Which is what so many of us who are in this community are experiencing or have experienced. That's why we're even trying to do this entrepreneurship thing or working from home or whatever. But I think that that calling out the toxicity, I hope will continue and will grow. I think it's related to what you were talking about with questioning the perfect perfectly curated feed on Instagram and the Kardashian lifestyle and trying to be something that you're not. I think it's all related because that is a very toxic feeling. It's a very toxic way to feel. It causes us to all feel shitty about ourselves and we don't want to spend time in places that make us feel shitty anymore. Yeah, and I think say, say that louder for the people <laughs> in the back. <laughs> and I think that also applies to work. I think that also applies to online spaces for business. And so without like, again, I'm I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole in this episode, but there's a lot of toxic business advice that exists out there. There are a lot of toxic business communities that are rooted in white supremacy that use literal cult teaching, <laughs> cult psychology to to teach and to coach. And so that leads to making people feel like shit. And so I'm just going to emphasize, I feel like I say this in every episode, but I'm just going to keep on emphasizing that if you are following someone who makes you feel like shit, stop following them. Like only follow people. Immediately. Only follow people on social media. Only let people into your space and your bubble who feel good, who make you feel good, who make you feel like you can do anything, who make you feel like you're safe, who make you feel like you have a place in this world. And if there are people you feel like you have to be connected with on social media because they're family members or whatever, and you know, but they are toxic, hide them from your feed. In every social media platform has the ability to hide somebody's posts so that you're not seeing them, even if you stay connected, right? So if that's what you need to do, do that. Spend less time in places that make you feel like shit and with people who make you feel like shit and more time with people who make you feel safe and happy and encouraged and empowered. So... I hope that that continues in 2023. And my little baby prediction is that if you use the like woke analogy, like everybody 
got woke in the pandemic of like, hey, these working conditions suck, then I'm a little bit worried that as the world opens up and people feel safer, that they will go back to sleep. (laughs) That's if you want to use that analogy. I'm a little bit worried that people will just become more accepting again of the things that they spent the past two years calling out. But I hope not. (laughs) I think that you're going to be safe there. I have noticed specifically with I'm a millennial, as are you, but I think that the next up and coming generation doesn't put up with any bullshit. I really do believe that. Um, When I talk to someone in the next generation down, I'm always like, good for you. And I know people are always, of course, there are people that are like, well, we have to have people that are going to come to work and, and, you know, do the work and do the thing. I'm like, yeah, but we also need people that are going to say, you're not going to treat me like garbage. You know, I think about, and I've mentioned it before, I've had really horrible working conditions before, and I did not feel empowered or the world was not ready. It was not at a place where I could just come out and say, hey, this is stupid. Like, this is not fair. This is not right. You can't treat me like this, you know? Um, And I hope, my hope is that, and I'm just going to say it, it's going to happen. We're going to continue to get better as a culture. We're going to have corporations or even still, I hear about it every single day, are still trying to figure out ways to entice people to want to work at their corporations or organizations and businesses. And every single person that I work with has been very clear about their expectations as they continue to grow. They want to create a place that people want to work. And that to me tells me, One, we as a society have created a culture that has said, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Like, you're not going to treat me this way. You're not going to talk to me this way. And we're going to have a better working conditions. And then corporations are now having no other choice but to say, okay, we have to listen to the people that we want to hire because they're not going to stick around if we continue just to not listen you know, continue working conditions that aren't family friendly, that aren't focused on mental health, that don't allow time for PTO, or that is just people are, people are walking out of jobs left and right. When I left corporate, there was a mass exodus of people who were trying to get the heck out of there because the um, the management was changing and it wasn't the same as it used to be. And the perks that we were sold on when we were employed there were starting to change. People left. And guess what? And the last thing that I heard, they're still having a hard time hiring people. And I hope that that, to your point, continues to stay strong so that we as a society can say, we ain't doing this no more. We moving on. We're moving on to bigger and better things or we're going to go work for ourselves. Yeah. And And if you can't treat me the way I deserve to be treated, then I will go find someone who will or I'll do it myself, right? I think Miley Cyrus has just teased a new song that is like, I can love myself better than you ever did kind of lyrics. And by the time this comes out, I mean, that that song might be out. I don't even know when that song is coming, but she just (laughs) teased it. And I thought that it was really poignant. And I also want to add I am with you about Gen Z. I think Gen Z may use slang that we do not understand that feels like they're speaking another language and they may think we are totally cringy and embarrassing. And that's okay. I truly believe that Gen Z is going to save the planet. And I say this all the time. Everybody Mm -hmm. always hates on the generation 
next, the next coming generation. And I really want to push millennials to be different that we got so much hate. We still do just for being millennials. Let's do it. Let's do this differently too. And let us, let us just love and support Gen Z because seriously, they are going to change the world. I just witnessed, I went to Starbucks for, to meet up with a client, like I said, doing more in-person meetings. And there was a homeless gentleman outside of the Starbucks who had a total emotional breakdown and he was crying and he was saying he doesn't want to live like this anymore and he didn't know what to do. And a Gen Z Starbucks employee brought him a cup of water, gave him a hug, and then kept her hand on his shoulder and was telling him that it's going to be okay, that every time that she has hit rock bottom the best only the best things happen when you're at rock bottom and that it's going to get better and that he's not alone and he was crying and crying to her and he kept apologizing and she said you don't need to apologize sometimes you just need to cry it out and it's okay to cry and then he was saying that he just didn't want to go back to the streets tonight and she uh, told him to hang on she came back out and she handed him a paper that had information for a place where he could go get a hot meal and a shower and she said they will have hopefully more information and resources for you as far as places to sleep but I was watching this interaction and I engaged a little bit, but mostly I did not want to overwhelm him because he was very sensitive and she was taking very good care of him. But my point is I had this feeling inside of me where part of me wanted to look away because that's what we're like told to do. Right. And part of me really didn't want to get involved. And I, I hate to admit that, but like part of me really didn't want to. And part of me really thought, How do I want to show up for this other human right now? And thankfully, she showed up as such a perfect example of how I wish all humans could just show up for each other. And I watched her thinking, I'm telling you, Gen Z is going to save the planet. Like, I don't know where they came from. I don't know if it's because they were raised on Tumblr. And so they have like all of these (laughs) mental health resources and this fortitude and resilience that I don't know if it's because they were raised in schools where they had to be afraid for their lives that they may not come home again just going to public school. I don't know what it was that built this in these kids, but they are, or I'm sorry, young adults now, but when they were kids, built them into these young adults, but they are amazing. And so if you're Gen Z and you're listening to this, we love you and we support you. If you're a millennial and you're listening to this, which I think probably most people are, let's love on Gen Z. Let's really love on them and support them and empower them the way that we wish we had been supported and empowered. Yeah, uh, my stepdaughter is 14, and I listen to her talk about the people at her school and the tolerance and love for people that are different. I'm like, where was that when I was in school? You know, I was the nerdy art kid who did not have that at all, and bullying was so horrible when I was growing up. And so now I hear her talking. I asked her just the other day, I said, do y'all have bullying? Like, do y'all have issues with that? She was like, no, no. That's just not tolerated at their school anymore. And to your point, it may be because we all grew up in, you know, a society where you could get shot going to school. And so they don't tolerate that. That's just not a part of the culture anymore. I don't know. But it is the most she goes to this, this like just regular public school and I'm in the South and there is 
no racism. They are very open and accepting to individuals that identify as non-binary or are, you know, in the gay community. And if there's just so much of an acceptance that wasn't there when I was growing yes. up and I am like, rooting for it so hard. I'm like, this is going to change the world. My stepsons a few years ago, they were both, uh, I think one was actually late middle school. One was early high school. We had watched a movie and they, one of them made a comment of, you can always tell that movies made about high school and middle school are made by adults who haven't been to school in a long time because it's not anything like what school is like. And my partner, Eric, and I looked at each other and we were like, what do you mean it's not like school? I mean, how so? And they said this whole click thing with like popular kids and like whatever, like that's not a thing. And we're like, wait, you don't have popular kids? Like they literally don't have popular kids at their school. I mean, they're graduated now, but we were so genuinely so confused. And we thought maybe they're just, they're boys and they're a little on the young side. So a few years later, we brought it up to them again. And we're like, hey, do you remember when you said this? do you still feel that way that there were no popular kids? And they said, oh yeah, definitely. That whole trope in media is just total bullshit and we don't relate to it at all. And I'm just so surprised. Who are they? Okay. Can I just say, first of all, as someone who was absolutely bullied, and if you are listening to this, we went to high school together and you have found this podcast because you follow me on Instagram you were probably horrible. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You might've been horrible to me when I say this, but I was bullied so hard for the brand of jeans I wore because my family was not rich growing up. I was bullied so hard for wearing like Walmart brand jeans that I told that to Karis, my stepdaughter. And she was like, what blew her mind? She was like, why? Why? And I was like, because we didn't have the money. She was like, no, I mean, why would they have said anything to you about that? And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to live in your world. I want totally. to live in your world. But we it will. It made me who we I will, am though. today. But like at the same time, it she is the same way. She's like, yeah, we don't we don't really have that. We don't have any of that that stuff at school. And I'm it's like, well, okay, well, enjoy your education. I'm glad you get to focus on your education instead of like what you look like every day, you know. But anyways, Gen Z is going to save the world. Yeah, we love them. Is going to be a great year. I love our predictions. I'm excited to hear how right and or wrong we are at the end of this year. What if we and play this back at the end of the year and we're like, Gen Z? <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine? They're going to destroy the planet. LinkedIn has crashed and private podcasting never took off. <laughs> I, and I do really want to say for Sarah and I both, we are so thankful for you listening. We keep watching the numbers rise. We text each other every morning and check the numbers to see how many downloads we've gotten per episode. All of your texts and messages on our Instagram mean so much to us. We are we are just totally humbled by your love and support. Absolutely. And we, we can't wait to bring all the good things to you. So where can they find us, Sarah? You can find us on Instagram at Big Brave Business. And please do. The messages, the numbers are fun to watch, but the messages from you saying that you listened, saying that we're not horribly boring and obnoxious, like it, it means the world to us. And that's all we could have hoped for. I told Amanda yesterday during a planning meeting that my like biggest thing that I want to get out of this big brave business podcast 
and community is more friends. I just want to be friends with you. So if that sounds tolerable to you, please go find us on Instagram at Big Brave Business. See you next week. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.